This week's episode of The Rebooting Show is brought to you by Permutive. The rules of advertising are changing. Consumers are concerned about how their data is being used in advertising. Regulators across the globe are closing in, and browsers are blocking third-party data. Publishers and advertisers need to develop responsible marketing practices that protect consumers' data. Built on the core principles of privacy, consent, and transparency, Permeative's audience platform empowers publishers and advertisers to responsibly activate audiences without any third-party access to personal data, offering insights, modeling, and activation in cookie-restricted environments. The data decisions that are made today will impact your ability to continue to effectively execute digital marketing in the future. Join Permutive in the responsible web. Find out more at permutive.com. That's P-E-R-M-U-T-I-V-E. Crying rooms are, are, you know, that's the future of work. A crying room? I don't know about that. Yeah, have you heard of that? No, I have yeah. not heard of a crying room. Yeah, I, because like it's been normalized that you can cry at work, which I'm fine with. Oh my Fair God. Enough. I'm going to go get a croissant. Welcome to The Rebooted Show. I'm Brian Morrissey. This week, I'm speaking to Austin Reef, the CEO and co-founder of Morning Brew. You probably already know the story of Morning Brew, but a quick recap. Austin and his co-founder, Alex Lieberman, began Morning Brew as students at the University of Michigan. You know, their insight was that most business news was boring and didn't connect with people their age, so they made a daily newsletter that did. Hi, I'm Dan Toomey for Morning Brew. Elon Musk or Kanye West? Bro, what is going on in this current social media landscape? I'm Sujin Julu, and this is your Brew Breakdown. Why do markets sometimes go up when there's a full-blown war? I'm Anish Mitra, and this is Brew Breakdown. And it grew and kept growing. And Axel Springer bought a majority stake in Morning Brew in October 2020 at a $75 million valuation. And Morning Brew now has over 4 million email subscribers to its main newsletter and another million to its B2B email newsletters, which include Marketing Brew, Retail Brew, and a few others. Business keeps growing. It's over 250 people. It's amazing. And this is actually the second podcast I've done with Austin. We spoke back in 2019 when Morning Brew was just 18 people. So it's fun to revisit that with Austin and also to hear more about how Morning Brew is approaching growing its business far beyond its main email newsletter, in particular, how it's approaching creators. You know, this is something that keeps coming up again and again. And Morning Brew has been bringing on creators uh, with the bet that it can use Morning Brew's reach and infrastructure and monetization capabilities in order to turbocharge the growth of, of creators far beyond what they could do on their own. So I think that's going to be an interesting trend we're going to see because, you know, the pendulum always swings too far in one direction. I think it's probably swung too far in the direction of individuals versus institutions. And there's probably a middle ground, like for most things. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where that middle ground is and how companies approach that. We also discuss Morning Brew's efforts to diversify its revenue because everyone has to diversify its revenue. It's doing so with courses and apparently selling mouse pads. So we'll find out more about that. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. As always, send me your feedback at bmarcy at gmail.com. All right, we'll get right into it. Let's do it. We'll do it live. How's that? Let's do it. Austin, welcome to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
So I was going back and, you know, we did a podcast. It was May, 2019 at the, when I was at Digiday and it was in an office and Morning Brew was, was all of 18 people at the time. And you said to me, it was very funny because one of the things you had said, you're like, I don't want to take venture capital and be expected to grow to like $150 million in three to five years. <laughs> now, how big are you guys? Uh, we are 250 employees. We'll do about 80 million of revenue this year. And we're still maintaining those hefty double digit profit margins. Okay. That's the thing. You didn't even have to take VC money and you'll probably get there. So let's go, like, I, I don't want to go back because I think everyone has heard the sort of morning brew, like founding story. A lot of time I do that, but like, I feel like it's like well-known. And I want to sort of look, focus on like where morning brew is going now, because you guys nailed the first act, right? And I, I think of your first act was email. In the podcast that we did in 2019, we talked about this a lot. And you talked about focus and you just chose to win at email and, and that worked. Yes. Oh, yeah, it worked. But you're not an email company now, right? No, we are not an email company. We, we think about a lot, like what we call ourselves, media company, consumer business. We're just a company that creates great content, engages our audience and tries to make money doing it. Okay, but email is still the core of what you do. I mean, it's your core connection to, to consumers, yeah? Yeah, I think emails are, as you know, emails are a really important way to connect with your audience, regardless of how you monetize them or how you engage with them. Uh, maintain that relationship with email is so important. But the first area you expanded into is podcasts, right? Yeah, the first business line we expanded to was the B2B business, right? Those were still okay. newsletters, but we did, you know, we did retail, we did marketing, we just launched IT, we're launching CFO. Uh, outside of that, yes, it was podcasting. Okay, so B2B was like, I, so I'm trying to get at like the growth areas, because like when you nail yeah. one thing, because like can, email is like, it's confining, like you couldn't have built up, you couldn't build a $150 million business off of like, any, there's just simply not enough surface there. I mean, you could do like, I mean, just one email, right? So yeah, yeah. Off of one email, no, we couldn't. <laughs> You'd have to have incredible ad rates for that, and everyone in the world would have to get your email. It's possible. So we're, you working, decided, we're working on that. Yeah. So you decided to go into B two B, and then into these other areas. We'll talk, but let's just start with the B two B thing because it's an area near and dear to my heart. I never considered Morning Brew necessarily a B two B product, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think people think about it that way, but it definitely is, right? Not not the daily newsletter. But the other newsletters are absolutely right. B2B products. That's what I mean. Like, but Morning Brew, the email is not like a, a No, a I, I, it's a consumer product for sure. Yeah. So, but I always see like anytime consumer media goes into B2B, they, they usually screw it up. I don't know why it is. But why did you think that B2B would be a natural first place to expand from Morning Brew, the newsletter? Yeah. So when we started thinking about what's next beyond the daily newsletter, I started to think a lot about, you know, what, what the other consumer media brands did, the, the BuzzFeeds, the Vices, and I didn't really see an opportunity there, right? I was still in the mindset of this great business. And I wasn't sure if there was great business to build uh, on social platforms, right? I saw a lot of these companies fail to pivot to video, you know, all these things that, that you've spoken about over the years. But I saw a bunch of people who no one was talking about. And, and I think one, just a shout out, was Sean over at Industry Dive. I saw the incredible businesses they were building. And I thought to myself, we can do that and we can do it better. Maybe not better than Sean is doing in some ways, but different, compete on a different axis, and, and create a really great business. And so we surveyed our audience 
And of course, like we had people in the retail industry, we had people in the marketing industry. And so we thought, what if we took the same tone, style, design, format we have and translate that to, to industry products? So the competitive advantage that you saw or the, like, you know, just like your leverage in it was, I mean, you're starting from like a large base. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, Morning Brew, the, the newsletter, is, I think 4 million like subscribers now. Yeah, a but, little like, at the time, over it was, 4 million. It, at the time, it was a little bit less, but like still, it's easier when you start with a big base to be able to funnel different audiences in, right? Yeah, and that was the, the really important thing. It was actually twofold. One's more obvious. I think one's a little less obvious that people don't talk about. The obvious one is, yes, we had millions of people reading our newsletters and we knew they would read other newsletters we had. The second one, and I don't think people talk about this enough, is there are people who are just email people and there are people who aren't email people. Yeah. And if you think about like The Ringer, for example, what is The Ringer really good at? They're really good at taking someone and putting them on Bill Simmons' podcast and that grows their podcast, right? Because there are certain people who listen to podcasts, there's certain people who don't. So in addition to being a sports media company, The Ringer is a podcast company and there's a psychographic person, a type of person who listens to podcasts and they typically listen to more than one. They have collected a lot of those people. We have collected not just a lot of business people or business interested people, we've collected a lot of people who read emails. And so when we promote another email product, the conversion rates are so high, right? way, way higher than you'd expect mm. and way higher than when we plug if we said, hey, we have the same exact newsletter, but we had it have it in video format, the click-through rates are, yeah. are very, very low, way, way lower than you think. But the conversion from email to email is incredibly high. So not only we collected business-interested people, we've collected email-interested people. We've taken advantage of that. So you're in, I think, five verticals now? I can't we'll be in, Yes, we'll be in seven by the end of this year. I think combined have a million... Subscribers or subscriptions? You corrected Subscri me. A, a million subscribers. <laughs> okay. Although, yes, we, we, we had a, yeah. <laughs> I had all these like morning brew, like fanboys coming at me on Twitter. I don't, that's okay. <laughs> I know my way around the Twitter fighting pits. So explain though a little bit, are those like new people or are you just segmenting your existing audience? Cause like you said, like people who read email, like it's like, that's the way it is. People who listen to podcasts, listen to podcasts. And I, you know, there's different I think there's just different dynamics in these two media formats, but are you like growing the subscriber base or, and the audience or are you just segmenting it? So at first, of course, the segmentation day one, it's a huge lift, which allows these products to be basically profitable day one, month one, because we're able to sell into a list of people who we have, but what we've done a pretty good job at and which we're working really hard at is growing new audience net new people who aren't signed up for morning brew which also over time gets tougher because you have more and more people sign up for morning brew so a larger pool of the population of people are reading morning brew but uh, i don't know if you've seen but we actually just spun off all of our b2b newsletters so now retail brew is on retailbrew.com it brew is on itbrew.com with the intention of really building those up into standalone properties and building those out over time and growing the audiences to have individualized like net new audiences that can sustain themselves and grow on their own. Okay. And the, the advertiser base, cause this is all, all ads. This is not like subscription or everything we spoke about so far is all, yeah, no, no, no subscription. At yeah. So, but the advertiser base is different. Yeah. Very different. Yes. And, and as we go, even every new vertical we go into is more and more different. Yeah. So how do you manage that? Like, I mean, you have a different sales team because like, I think this is where the challenges of, of operating 
almost, I mean, they're related business, but they're slightly different, right? Like it's, it's hard to have, you know, sales teams that are handling both things. Cause oftentimes salespeople are good at one thing, but not necessarily the other thing. And the clients oftentimes are different, right? Yeah. And so the, the sales team is all under one roof, but there's different pods. So there is one pod who is dedicated to selling into B2B clients. And we really push B2B clients to get in front of a B2B audience, which are these verticals. The integrated marketing team, same idea. They're split too. And so we, as we do more and more of this, we can support more and more people who are dedicated solely to B2B. So it has gotten uh, more and more separate over time. Right. And the, but the ad products themselves are fairly similar, right? Like you're not doing special ad products for a B2B marketer. Cause I mean, B2B does have its own, you know, a lot of stuff is leads based. I don't know. I mean, I I'd always heard over the years that you got, it's actually one of the reasons I, I reached out for you to be on the podcast. Cause I'd heard that your ads do really well. So I was like, oh, they might be onto something. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, I would say the advertiser, for any advertisers out there, our ad <laughs> products perform quite well, but we don't do lead gen yet that will be coming in the next year. That is the next iteration of Moira's ad products. Uh, we will be thinking through and we are thinking through how we launch a, a lead gen product that is not a replacement for our ad product, but is in addition to. Yeah. So you're not, are you, are you looking to reinvent the white paper? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so, but I mean, there's well, some... no, it's like B2B marketing is very, has its very tried and true stuff. That's why it's like, you know, that's why the white papers and webinars are, are, are yeah, but they, because yeah, they and so we do a, a lot of virtual events. We don't use yeah. the, the W word. We like the word virtual events. We think it sounds <laughs> nicer. And yeah, I mean, like, you know, to say, re, you know, reinvent the white paper may actually be a right, <laughs> it might be the right phrase. Like we think that B2B media is historically pretty dry. And we think that people view B2B audiences as like these professionals, but then they're just people, right? Right. And so we think if we can talk to them like they're people and not like they're professionals, it makes us more engaging, more exciting. And so we're not, you know, doing this crazy new thing. It's lead gen, right? And so yeah. what, what's a great product we can give them that make people want to actually sign up for something? Virtual yeah. events are one thing. Content behind a paywall is another. And we're going to continue to explore other ways. So you want to take the, the sort of tone and approach of Morning Brew and that's a connective tissue through these different brands. I mean, obviously they have the brew in it and, you know, you chose a good name because it was able to be like scalable. Sometimes like people's names, it's like, I've talked to them just like, oh, geez, we never really thought about it because like, it's really difficult then to yeah, expand Yeah. And to be honest, areas. that was, that was quite <laughs> lucky. And that was, you know, I, I think the name was great for the daily newsletter. It turns out it's great for a lot of things we do, but to your question, it's not just what we do within all the B2Bs. It's, it's with everything we do, right? This tone, this conversational witty tone, yeah. is the thread that connects every single thing we do. Right. So I, in the 2019 podcast that we did, you talked about like um, that you didn't think that you needed to do like original reporting. Like you were like that. It's not a focus for us. It's like we don't think, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing it and we can contextualize the news. Obviously, like, I mean, you were bought by Business Insider in many ways to me. I thought it was smart because like, there's a lot of like echoes to how BI grew and Morning Brew is just a different era growth, you know? And BI for years was an aggregator and was not doing original. And now like it's, you know, breaking stories about Elon Musk and stuff. Have you like changed in the evolution to embrace the original reporting? Yeah, we are doing a lot of original reporting now, especially with our B2Bs, but across the business. But the way we think about it is 
we're not, we're doing original reporting. We're not necessarily breaking news or we yeah. might break news, but that's not our goal. Our goal is not to get the scoop here and the scoop there that's breaking news. It's like the reaction to it. So it's this thing happened and here's our original reporting piece on why that matters or why this company, you know, why when Apple uh, makes changes that affect Facebook, here's how that affects these 10 direct to consumer companies, for example. So we are doing a lot of original reporting now, actually more than I ever thought we'd do. So I was very wrong in 2019. <laughs> no, you just this. It's evolution, right? I mean, it's, yeah. but like, what I wonder, it's like, like, do you want to get into the, like, the like scoops business eventually? And if not, like, why do you not think that? Cause that's always been thought of like within like the sort of journalism world that I've sort of emerged from right. and like mired in. It is like, you know, that's the calling card. You got to like, you know, got to do scoops. You got to break the story. Like, can you become premium marquee, like news brand? And maybe don't consider yourself that uh, without like really going for the breaking uh, stories. Yes. Yeah, so I think that was the right thinking in maybe 2012, 2013, right? Yeah. In, a, in a page view driven economy. But we've always thought about ourselves as being the best, not the first, right? And so, you know, we don't make money off page use to our site. It's nice that can, we can convert people to newsletters, but we, we have not changed. Like, you know, I, I personally, and I, I'm not from the media industry. This is my first job. What do you I mean? I just read you were like one of the most powerful people in media, I think. I, Who? I, I, I didn't make that list. The Hollywood Reporter uh, made that list. They made, a, <laughs> they made a big mistake there. But no, I mean, it, it doesn't. The, the, the scoop like that does nothing for me right if it's great for our audience if we're providing awesome content for our audience that's great but like that's not something we champion at morning brew is like you know who can break this scoop and you're right other publications do it maybe that might be great then they like we're trying to run a really great business we're a business and for us that doesn't move our top or bottom line and therefore like you know we don't care nearly as much as creating a great second day story on why that scoop that any of the brands you mentioned why that actually matters to our audience. Like that's what we focus on. Okay. So you're not aiming to like sort of compete with like the Wall Street Journal. Uh, we haven't wanted to compete with them since day one and we still don't want to compete. Okay. So when you're looking at like expansion, obviously B2B, I think was a, I mean, it was a pretty, I don't want to say obvious area, but it, it makes a, a ton of sense. But like, um, talk to me about expanding into different media formats. Cause it's one thing to segment an audience into verticals and then grow within the verticals. It's hard, everything's hard. But it's another thing to go from being really good at one thing and becoming really good at another thing. Yeah, it, it is exceptionally hard. It's something that maybe we spoke about in 2019, but I didn't, I'm sure I thought it was hard then. And I didn't, I, I underestimated by a factor of 10 or 100. Everything is hard. Being best in class at multiple things is so, so hard. So like, yes, it is incredibly yeah. hard. So, so, so how, I'm sorry, go on. No, see, so here's how we got there, basically, right? So we, we launched a newsletter and then we said, all right, we don't see room in this multimedia consumer space. Let's launch the B2B thing. And that's going really well. And, and we didn't speak about some things we're doing there, but we're beyond newsletters now. We're doing events. We're yeah. doing, we're testing job boards. So we're going down funnel, providing more value for our readers. But then what we did was we came back and we said, let's test that assumption that we made in 2020 when we decided to go into B2B versus creating more different formats of content. And we said, let's talk to our readers, right? Like that's how we, that's how we've always been, right? Mm -hmm. And we found out that one, and this is not rocket science, but one, 
our readers live in more places than just their inbox. They consume content outside their inbox. You know, not a shocker, but they obviously do. And two, they care more about just business than just business news. They care about money and personal finance and investing and, and all of that. And they also care about work life. So productivity and career development and you know, learning and, and entrepreneurship. They care about all these things. And so we put all that together and we said, okay, well, our audience exists outside the inbox and they care about other things beyond business news. So let's put those together. And that was the, the impetus for us expanding into our multimedia strategy. And as I'm sure you, or I hope you've seen, we're doing that very much in a creator driven way. So we are yeah. very focused on bringing creators onto the platform, leveraging their voice. We believe the combination of a creator and our brand is really important for uh, the expansion of Morning Brew. Yeah. So talk to me about that because I mean, we're in this like sort of, I call it like a period of unbundling, but like, you know, it's always overdone in media, right? It's like, everyone's just like, no, it's not this. Now it's all this. It's the pivot to whatever. But I do think there's something there with people tend to gravitate towards individuals uh, versus institutions. But there's been a lot, obviously, about the creator economy. And I think we talked about this. We exchanged some DMs about it because I was asking yeah. you, you're going to yeah. get into this world. And so explain to me like how you see the balance of that institutional brand. I mean, Morning Brew is a strong brand and the individual brands. Yeah, so I have this pretty strong belief that when you're a, and this is not just media, right? It's consu any consumer brand, right? I think most consumer brands who raise a ton of venture funding, their biggest mistake is they try to, because of those incentives, they try to expand their brand. They try to stand for multiple different things too quickly, right? You look at a brand like the New York Times, they can stand for a lot of things. How long have they been around? You know, you know a hundred years, I, I don't know, a, a very long time. Same thing with the journal. And so we want to be careful about how far we expanded Morning Brew's purview. Like we didn't want to have Morning Brew personal finance and Morning Brew career and Morning Brew whatever. And so it actually plays well with the creator thing because we can build this house of brands. Uh, we can build shows like uh, The Money with Katie Show, which is one of our shows. It's a uh, Katie Gaddy, who is a creator we brought on, who speaks to uh, speaks about personal finance. We can bring her on. And actually for us, that's a great thing because we don't want to create Morning Brew personal finance that speaks to X audience uh, in this way, right? We want to give ourselves opportunity to speak to a bunch of different audiences. And so it kind of is actually a great marriage. If we wanted to build a branded house, I think it, it would be at odds, but the creator thing actually plays quite well with what we're trying to do. Okay, so like the money with Katie, she was doing this like on her own, right? And then, so what was the pitch to her? Because yeah, usually, so, I mean, know, the whole point of being a creator is to be like independent, I think, but maybe not. Well, so, so I actually, I don't think that. I think that's like what you hear from some of the bigger name creators who are, are succeeding and talking about it a lot. But I think there's a lot of people out there who are in jobs. So Katie was, was not full-time on this. She was in the job, but she didn't want to go full-time. She didn't want to be an entrepreneur per se on her own. She wanted some support. And what does Morning Group provide? We provide editorial support, right? Editing, producing. We provide distribution, right? It's really hard to break through the clutter and, and grow your audience. We help you do that. Katie's Instagram has gone from, you know, 10,000 to 100,000. Her newsletter has gone from five or 10,000 to 100,000. Her podcast has tens and tens of thousands of downloads per episode. Now, we didn't do that alone. Her amazing content did that, but we were some gas on that fire. And then lastly, we provide monetization. So ad revenue, commerce, we have educational products now that we're building. So we now have three revenue streams for creators. 
So we were like business in a box for creators. And that's what we provide for people like Katie. It's come here, we'll give you editing, we'll give you production, we'll give you monetization. And I think a lot of people find that very attractive. It's not what people talk about because the sexy thing is like, oh, here's creator X who went on their own and they make a million dollars a year and have a rolling fund and do this, that, and the other. But there's a lot of people who don't want to do that on their own. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so who are some, some of the other creators? I mean, you forget the, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting Dylan Toomey. It's the, uh... oh, so, so yeah, so we have a bunch. We have Dan Toomey uh, who creates a, unbelievable TikToks. He yeah, just launched his TikToks a are great, I gotta say. He's great. He just launched a show. If you haven't seen it, he just launched a great show on our YouTube channel. You should check it out. It's really good. So we have Dan, uh, he's covering, he's, you know, he's comedy, meets business news, meets like workplace, right? So he's covering all those areas. We have uh, a woman named Sajin, who is excellent. She's covering market stuff, breaking things down in the business uh, business news world. We have Katie, who speaks, you know, Money with Katie is her franchise. Uh, she speaks about personal finance. We have Excel Dictionary, who has a million and a half followers on Instagram. She does Excel hacks. Uh, and we have Anish, who covers crypto. Yeah. So do you have to cut different deals with them? Every creator is different. It's unique based off of a variety of factors. But yes, everyone is different. It, it is not cookie cutter whatsoever. Okay. But that sounds like they're, they have a different, because I think a lot of times, like people talk about, you know, because you want the best, everyone wants the best of both worlds, right? Like I'm in Miami, but I want the best of New York and I want Miami. You know, it's like you want the best of both. And a lot of times you just can't have the best of both. And that's why I'm to New York. But like uh, with creators, it's like you want to have, maybe if you don't want to do everything yourself, you want the upside, right? <laughs> but you want the institutional support and the infrastructure. And so, you know, I think for companies, they want, they understand the power of like these individuals, but at the same time, you can't have the enterprise value walk out the door. Right? Yeah. So totally. I, I think it's nuanced though. This is a conversation. It's, it's nuanced, right? So uh, number one, you have to make sure that your creators are happy, right? That they want to stay, right? At the end of the day, they can walk. No matter what deal you cut with them, anyone can leave, right? So uh, that's one. Two, you need to make sure that you build a business where the creators are adding value, not just to their own franchise, but to the whole ecosystem. So if they do leave, they add more value there's more value they've added to the company when they left than when they got there. And three, you need an acceleration and a pace of talent such that if people do leave, you have people there to fill to backfill. Yeah. And you, you have to build a great business that that you can capitalize on these people when they, they work with you. Yeah. I mean, you sort of had that experience, I guess, with business casual, right? I mean, like, I mean, I feel like podcasts, it might not be creators, but like, you know, it's very, you know, the host is usually, you know, very known with the podcast, particularly when it starts with them. But, you know, you yeah, had to I mean, like we, bring we, in new talent. Yeah, we've had a variety of different hosts and the shows continue to excel from host to host, which I think is actually uh, a, a great sign for us, right? So we have gone from one host to another. And downloads have gone up right over time. I think it shows, you know, of course we want to work with talent that helps amplify the audience. But at the end of the day, Morning Brew is 4.1 million subscribers or 4.2 million subscribers. We're starting to grow our audio audience more. Like we bring a lot to the table. And I think that's incredibly important when you bring creators on board to show them like, hey, not only look at the, the success of what we've done with, you know, people who we start build from scratch. But also look at the people we've brought on and like we can keep the audience there. We can retain the audience. And so 
business casual has retained the audience, which is exciting. Yeah. So how hard was it to build like in podcasting? And then you like you talk about YouTube, like it's hard to build a YouTube press. No, I like yeah. I mean, well, like podcasting is hard as hell. Yeah. So building a podcast, super easy. Creating YouTube content, super easy. Yeah. Creating a good creating a good podcast, so hard. Creating good YouTube content, so hard. We are in like, you know, we are in. I, I would like to say we're in the first inning of what we're doing, but like I wouldn't. You know, we're barely even getting on the field yet. Like we're just getting started, which is why it's so exciting because we're seeing success. But there is so much learning that we're doing. There's so much we have yeah. in the pipeline. Well, I mean, the content is super important, but like, come on, like the growth part. Like, I mean, you guys, oh, were, every, totally. everyone is imitating Morning Brew. I was just talking, I was asking someone for advice about like, about list hygiene for my own newsletter. She gets super in the weeds. And like the first thing he was like, well, Morning Brew like flushes people after 30 days if they're not like engaged. And it's like, you, and the referral program, you know, is now basically everyone has copied it and stuff like this. But when you go into these new areas, like you're like a rookie again, right? So that's why I'm like, um, wondering oh, no, like how no. it was to learn those new skills. Yeah, I might know me. I mean, we, we haven't even learned them yet, right? Like, so okay. it's not as if we have learned them. We're learning them. We're learning the muscle. So again, that's why I say like, we're in inning one. We've had some successes. We've had some failures, uh, but that's good. Like that's good for us as a business. The, what I would say is in 2019, you and I spoke a lot about focus and that's so incredibly important in the early days. But what's challenging about focus is if you succeed, you haven't, you know, we, we, it was very binary at the beginning, either with a single newsletter succeeded or failed. The thing is we weren't experimenting with anything else. So we didn't build the muscle of failure. We didn't build the muscle of like, Hey, we're going to try this thing. And if it doesn't work in a month, we'll shut it down. Like we didn't do that. So we did one thing yeah. and thankfully it worked. So we're just as a business, not even just content everywhere. We're starting to learn like how to test and to be okay with like, we tried this thing and it flopped miserably. It was a complete failure. We learned a lot and no one knows. No one remembers. The audience doesn't care that we, we tried it. It didn't work. I mean, we're at the point now where we're failing weekly, which is to me like actually exciting. So now I'm going to ask you for specific, right? Because like everyone loves to talk about failure in the, in the abstract. But then when you ask like, for specifics, they start to <laughs> scramble no, I, I, to some other topic. No, go look. I mean, you can go look on our TikTok page, our YouTube page, look at what's done well, look at what hasn't done well. We've experimented with series on TikTok that we thought would be really great. And we thought we could take yeah. all our creators and throw them all on the same TikTok page and TikTok, the TikTok algorithm would love all of them. Wasn't true, right? The TikTok yeah. al algorithm likes certain creators more than others on the Morning Brew channel. And so now we're thinking about, okay, like how do we expose our creators to our audience, but not through the Morning Brew TikTok or for YouTube, right? Some of our videos, they, they didn't perform very well and, and people didn't like them. And you know, some of them shut down those series. And so uh, we're constantly learning, right? It's not like it's not like this massive thing. We didn't, we didn't like have an event that we thought was going to have 10,000 people. One person showed up. It was this visible yeah. failure. It's just the day-to-day -day videos that we thought were going to crush it. And we were excited about it. And we put them out there. And we're like, oh, no one cares when we talk about this thing. Let's not talk about that thing anymore. Yeah. So what the thing that the, the, the current thing that like everyone in the media uh, world has been talking about nonstop uh, for the last couple of years has been subscriptions. Yeah. You guys were always like very focused on ads and like, you know, we've talked about this before, like ads are a good business. They are, you know, we'll see, go, we'll see how they hold up in the recession. But um, 
Explain diversifying the business because, you know, ads are still, assume the overwhelming majority of the business, but you are moving into getting direct payments from people. Yeah. So we, we do have multiple revenue streams now, right? So we have this year, we'll have obviously ads and then we'll have event revenue. So we're doing three summits this year, one in emerging tech, one in retail and one in marketing. We're having tickets that are going to be on average about $750. We'll have about 500 people or so per summit. So you can do the math, but 750 times 1200 tickets is meaningful. That's real mm -hmm. revenue that hopefully will generate. Uh, we are also, uh, we launched an education product, which I was speaking about a little bit before, yeah. uh, the morning brew, uh, we've, uh, the leadership accelerator, we have our business essentials program. They are anywhere from, uh, 1499 to 1999. We'll do seven figures of revenue in those products. Uh, so events, education products. And then we just started to dabble in commerce and monetize our creators through commerce. So an example of that is we uh, launched a mouse pad with Excel this. shortcuts <laughs> and we sold 40, we've sold 40 some thousand dollars in the first, you know, eight or nine days, which is super exciting. Yeah. And if you're into Excel, you're really into Excel. Oh, we, yeah, we've, uh, the, it's quite passionate. I'm terrible. and I'm too old to learn like macros and stuff like this. I once like I when I got out of college, I didn't have I didn't have a job. And so like I, I went to a temp agency. I remember it was contemporary staffing solutions. And they were like, I, my sister had told me like she was like, just say, you know how to do like stuff they say you can. And the Excel, they're like, do you know Excel? I was like, yeah, sure. And they're like, oh, good. Like, you know, you're just going to need to go over there and like take this little tutorial. It's very easy. It should be fine for you. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, and yeah. I was like, well, I could just go to the help and I'll just figure it out. But they shut all that down. And there was this wizard who kept like telling me, no, try again. No, try again. So then I get sent to just to do finally at a bank. Anyway. You should, uh, you should be following Excel dictionary on TikTok. <laughs> it's too late. That's what I'm saying. It's like learning a foreign language. You get to a certain age, it's just too late. Okay. So wait, you're, so the education thing is going to be like over a million dollars. That's pretty good. Yeah. It'll, it'll be seven figures this year. And yeah, we see a, a ton of potential, right? There's basically two types of courses, right? We have the morning brew, let's call it like O and O courses. Uh, so, uh, we have a leadership one, the business essentials one, and we have a quantitative course, right? And those are, uh, hosted by a bunch of industry professionals. Like one thing we lean into in education is it's no professors. It's all people who have actually done the thing they're talking about, right? Real world experience. We have community managers, they're cohort based courses. So they're async or they're synchronous courses. Uh, and so that's like style one, right? Yeah. Morning brew branded. But then we have courses that are with the you know, creator based courses, right? So Alex, you know, my co-founder mm -hmm. in a billion audience course, right? Katie is going to have a course, right? Uh, uh, we're calling them sprints for the, the creators, right? Uh, not every creator, but most creators are going to have these sprints. These, uh, they're lower dollars. So they're between like two and let's say $600 courses. And yeah, I mean, they're meaningful, right? These creators can, and Morning Brew's audience can really drive volume. It, and at a ticket price between 200 yeah. and $2,000, it's meaningful. And, and once you have like the infrastructure and the like playbook, ideally it, it becomes repeatable, you know, and then. Yes, and, and we have an exceptional team working on that. So we have a, a GM uh, who was a former CEO of Babson's executive education program. And she's doing an amazing job building that out. We have amazing community managers who make the experience great. It's crazy. People will post on LinkedIn, like, thank you to like, uh, Kyle or to Devin, uh, this amazing community, like people shout them out on LinkedIn and it, they're shouting out their community manager yeah. from their cohort. It's, it's amazing. So, I mean, you, I, you guys 
it started this, the business started in 2015, right? And so like up until now, it's been like, the wind has been at the back as far as the economy goes. Like, I mean, the, the stock market was just like up and to the right, like, you know, COVID happened and like, and that was scary for like a couple of months. And then like every government got out of bazooka and just trillions of dollars. Um, but now things are a little different. I know when I first bugged you about doing the podcast, you were like, it's a bad week. <laughs> I don't know if you see the markets. <laughs> so how do you see like, I mean, first it's your first recession. Um, so welcome. But like, how are you thinking about like managing through this? Yeah, I think first off, we're not sure about the severity of the recession, right? And so my inclination is to, you know, it's very cliche, but hope for the best, but plan for the worst. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I've been taking it very honestly, since the beginning of this year, I've been eyeing, uh, just what's going on and slow down and, and growth stocks dipping. And of course, over the last four to six weeks, it's been rough uh, for the market. And I absolutely think there's gonna be a slowdown. But this is why we've maintained 15 to 30% margins, depending on the quarter, through the good times. Like we wanted to run a real business. And so we have so much wiggle room in terms of uh, our profitability. And then also we, unlike a lot of media companies, who invest their dollars in people. We invest money in people, of course, too, but we spend a lot of money on marketing, which is a lever we have to pull. So, you know, a lot of people were like, why are you, why are you, you know, losing money in 2020, 2021? Like we ran a good business. Yeah. So I feel really good. And if things continue to slow down, which we have not seen yet on the ad revenue front, if things slow down, we'll slow down our hiring and we'll react and we'll, we'll only grow in the areas of the business that are growing. But to me, honestly, and again, this is also like what everyone says, uh, I think it's a great opportunity. We're going to look to do M&A of great brands who, you know, in, you know, if in 2021, you were a break even to 5% margin business and yeah. you don't have an ability to raise money. You're, if this is an 18 month recession, you're probably going out of business. And so we want to be there to buy these companies and these great brands and see what we can do. So, so M&A is definitely on the table for us at this point. Okay. So are you, how are the, how's the advertising holding up? Because advertising is the first to go, right? It's easy to turn on and off. And I was like, I was just finishing my own newsletter for tomorrow. It's recounting how like, you know, the recession, every single, there's always all these articles that like appear like on like Ad Age or like now, I guess on LinkedIn about how citing the studies to say, oh, the last thing that companies should do is cut advertising during a recession. And the first thing that every single company does is cut advertising during a recession. They just always do it. The CFO knows these articles that, and, and the CFO. Are you seeing softness? Are you seeing that, that trickle down yet? Because there's, I mean, you look at the, the bloodbath that the markets have been in the last month. Ultimately, it has to filter down, I would think. Yeah, it has to. So we have not seen a big dip yet, but we're monitoring closely. Now, thankfully, our B2B business, which is the last of the last to go. In fact, some B2B businesses actually, you know, might accelerate it during a, a recession. We've seen, you know, we've seen very little softening. Now, it's not mm -hmm. me saying, oh, we're not going to see softening. We, we, of course, we are. And as we start to go into what we call our, our brew fronts, you know, selling at the 2023, to me, that's the real test. It's our company is going to be spending in July, August, September. Are they going to buy full year plans at the 2023? That's the real test. You know, we have a great sales team and we can sell here and there uh, for, for you know, shorter term deals to fill in the gaps. But We'll continue to monitor 
Uh, but I'm definitely you know, speaking to uh, some partners, especially people I know who who do more like brand awareness advertising. Again, to your point you said before, yeah. we perform. We actually perform. But brand awareness advertising, you know, display ads, just getting crushed, I hear. It's a bad place to be. Yeah. It's a preview for my uh, newsletter tomorrow. This will come out. So uh, let's talk just a little bit and then, and then we'll wrap it up about like ad targeting. Because like, I think what's like fascinating about email newsletters and almost podcasts to some degree is that it's like a media format that is like operates completely separately than for the most part outside of like live intense stuff. Then <clears throat> the programmatic world that has ruled the page view industrial complex. And like, does that have like a ceiling or, or are you guys going to have to like start, or is the next time when we do this podcast, are you going to be talking about your like first party data strategy and, and the rest? Oh, so we have invested over the last 12 to 18 months on our first party data. So we have started to collect a lot of first party data, which is informing a lot of what we're doing, particularly on the B2B side, particularly when it comes to lead gen products. So we are there, we, we can talk about that because it's been important. With that being said, you know, I've, people have been telling me since 2017, you know, the selling a newsletter caps out targeting this, that, and the other. Yeah. And I think we've kind of self-selected the targeting by pushing audiences into different newsletters, different areas. Uh, but I don't ever see us doing, you know, creating an ad server to target people in the core newsletter. You're buying this demographic, you're buying the psychographic and you know, it, it, it is going to cap out at some point, right? I'm to your point before, it's not going to get to $150 million of revenue on a single newsletter. That is why we're investing in other products. We're investing in different revenue streams, uh, but we're not going to you know build an ad server for our, our daily newsletter. Yeah. But you don't see that whole, like, it doesn't hurt you with advertisers, I guess, is my point. It, it, it's like an unknown, right? Like it's like a known mm. unknown. We don't know, like, because because there's no no one who has it, right? So it's not as if there's someone, you know, advertisers don't come and they say, oh, like Brian's newsletter can target the the CEOs in media companies on Tuesdays. Like, you know, no one has that product yet. And so maybe we would be doing $150 million if we built out the ad server of newsletters. I, I don't know, but it's not something we've spent too much time thinking about. Got it. So final things, like what's like a new initiative that you're most excited about? I mentioned it before, but I think it is um, that combo of the bringing the creators of the platform. And I think there's a big headwind coming to the creator economy. The cre and I tweet about this a lot and people yeah. get upset, but the creator economy was propped up by these over overvalued fintech companies. They had so much capital and yeah. these fintech businesses, these platforms, you know, they're, the public ones are down 90%. The private ones, half of them are probably worthless, honestly, right? If a public company is down 90% and they're the, the biggest player in the space, the private company that was a copycat is probably worth zero. They were throwing 100K, 200K, 300K yeah. at, at Creator X to do their newsletter, Creator Y to do their podcast, their YouTube, whatever. I think those people are gonna have to decide like, do they wanna get jobs or do they wanna be creators and work at a company? Like, I think it is gonna be tough to be your own entrepreneur. And I'm excited to hire those people because there's so many that are talented and bring them to Morning Brew and build a business around them. Yeah. And education, of course, bring build courses around them. I'm excited for that as well. Yeah, it's funny because this is in my newsletter tomorrow. I'm not just going to take this from you, but like because the fintech crypto world, like there was so much funny money around. Like, I mean, you think about FTX, the whole company is 200 people or something. And like, they're just like, they have their own bazooka of cash and these marketing departments are tiny. So they can't be like super laser focused. They got to deploy a ton of capital at once. And 
when I was hearing some of the deals that were being struck, I was like, oh, well, get those now. <laughs> it's like, I don't see how that lasts. Like, I mean, gold rush yeah. is always in. Totally. And I've spoken to probably a hundred creators the last year. And I would talk to them and I would pitch our sales team. I think we have one of not the best direct sales teams out there. And they'd be like, oh, why would I work with you? Crypto King X gave me a million bucks and I haven't even launched my thing yet. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, we'll probably be talking in a year and a half. And that is no, no knock on, on anyone, right? But you, if you have a small audience, you, a company, they just can't give you half a million dollars. They can't give you, it does not return. And when capital's free, which it was for the last couple of years, comp, you know, FinTech Platform X can give you $200,000 or $500,000 or a million or $2 million. But when capital costs money and your market cap is worth 90% less than it was six months ago, they just can't, to your point, have a bazooka and just spray that money around the creator economy. And so, yeah, I think that's very exciting for us. Yeah. It reminds me of running. Whenever the wind is at my back, a strong wind, I never notice it. I'm just like, I'm really strong. And then when I have to turn around to come back home and the wind's in my face, I'm like, this sucks. Yeah, there are so <laughs> many creators who, who focused on that first deal, focused on that first check, yeah. and didn't think, I have to perform. I, if I want to get a second check from this company, you know, they haven't spent any time in, in, in ad sales and, and think about account management. And yeah. the fact that it's not so we got like that, that first 50,000, so again, that second 50,000, that third 50,000, that fourth. And it's really hard. Running an ad sales business is really challenging and being a creator is hard and doing both is obviously yeah. exceptionally hard. And that's why we think there's an opportunity here to help people. How big is your sales team? I mean, 230 people is a lot of people. Yeah, so the, the company's 250 and our, our number of sellers plus our, our creative studio is probably 70 or so, huh. 60, 70. Okay, that's a lot, that's a lot of, uh, to deploy. That's great. Awesome. Austin, I'll let you go. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. For sure. We'll do it again three years down the line. Hopefully <laughs> in three years, I'll be retired. <laughs> okay, whatever you gonna be like 30? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> and as always, send me your feedback at bmrc at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Jay Ray Sparks, who produced this episode. Jay runs Pod Help Us, a podcast production studio that can help you build your own podcast. To find out more, go to podhelp.us. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week.